0: This is kind of a unique episode i kind of made this up i got something actually just landed in my lap i went and got to my mail and there was a letter in there addressed to the person that lived in the apartment before me and it was written from the oregon state prison and i read through this and it just kind of got my imagination going i started researching this and then joe started researching it and we came up i'm going to read you the letter i got Now, this is from somebody who doesn't know this person. This is like a pen pal relationship. Monica, I hope this letter finds you in high spirits and the best of health. I know it's been a minute since you heard from me, and I'm sorry if you feel like I fell off on you. Some shit happened, and I ended up having to do over five months in the hole for fighting and other things. But that's a story for another time. I'm actually writing you to see how you've been and with hopes that we can pick up where we left off. At the time we were talking, I was still around three years from the gate and couldn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. At the moment I have less than two years left and freedom is starting to feel more like a reality than a dream. With that being said, I really enjoyed our conversations. And you are somebody I want to keep in touch with and spend time around when I finally get out of prison. If you're open to talking to me again, write me back. Hit me with a message on Getting Out app, gettingout.com. Or I can call you sometime. I tried to call you the last month, but there was no answer. So instead of blowing you up, I thought I'd just shoot you a letter and let you know where my head's at. And want to see where yours is. Anyways, the ball is in your court. So hopefully, I'll hear from you soon. Sincerely, David. P.S., I'm going to show you, send you a picture. There's a picture included. And I want you to see what you've been missing. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self empowerment and all the myths, lies, misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths, and re-engineer a better you. I am your host, Todd Laments the Extrovert, and I am joined by researcher, writer, and introvert, Joe Anthony.
1: Hello, and when you say researcher, I just want to uh, not distance myself, but just to point the credit at you. <laughs> this letter, this you want to get all off yeah. <laughs> the that air? Was, that was cold. <laughs>
0: For you that don't know uh, Joe and I, he's definitely the... Re- the- the pro researcher. And I took the lead on this because, uh, like I said in the beginning, this letter came to me. And what, uh, so he's better at it. He's been doing it for longer. and He's better at it. So this was interesting to me. And I, I called you when I got this letter. For, for, to get a letter from the Oregon Department of Corrections, inmate, it kind of startles you right off the bat. And what it stood out to me was it was just written in impeccable handwriting. You could right. tell someone took a lot of time and detail in this. And how many years has it been since you've seen a letter? It's been a while, right?
1: Yeah, I think I accidentally uh, found one in the street. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of that wasn't an email. <laughs> now, I am an absolute documentary
0: nerd geek, and I love murder documentaries. Any kind of true crime, I love the ID channel. You come over, it's usually on. And I watch, I, I even joke about it, that for me to get more content to watch, more people are going to have to be murdered. <laughs> right. Um, now, growing up as a kid, I used to always read nonfiction, these murder stories, and I don't know if you remember these books. They're these big, thick books, and then in the middle section there would be these glossy photos. Do you remember those?
1: Yeah, uh, I used to get them from like uh, school, basically, like middle school. You used to hand them out.
0: And so when I, I couldn't understand. You know, when I was single, I go through stretches in my life where I've been single. I go through long, dry stretches. And when I watch a lot of these documentaries, these these serial killers, these men who have done horrible things, Joe, they have girlfriends and wives, and they're beautiful. And I'm like, what? I have a job, and I'm a nice guy, and <laughs> I'm on the outside? Right. It used to piss me off, and I'd be jealous of them. <laughs> it's like those lucky bastards behind bars. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you know, they're having these conjugated visits and having a lot better life than I am. So it's bothered me. So today I'm talking about... Some myths. Um, The first one being, these women must be twisted who fall in love with these prisoners. They don't know what true love is. They're mentally weak. They're unattractive. They're lonely. We, the listeners, would never ever fall for a prisoner. Now, another myth. These men are desperate and lonely. They're lost puppies. They'll give attention to anybody. There is no such thing as true love in prison. How could they be in love? They don't even know each other. They're strangers. Final bonus fact. We'll share how you can utilize some of these techniques prisoners use to craft their love letters.
1: So, Todd, I had a quick question for you. When you were reading that letter, um, I tried to imagine the woman who's receiving that. And and the drama of that letter, the, the part that sticks out to me is he's getting out. And he's basically reaching out to somebody he had been um, pen pals with. That, to me, is the part where if you in real life aren't actually interested in a relationship where you don't want to continue it after they get out, that's the freak out moment, right? Like that that's the moment where they're getting out, they're reaching out to you, they <laughs> want to meet you.
0: You get a calendar out, right? Like, R- yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea until it's really happened.
1: Right, somebody's buying door locks, basically. <laughs> like somebody's like, I imagine seven chains and like 19 deadbolts on a door at this moment.
0: Now, as a lifelong salesperson, that's a great point, by the way, Joe, but the thing that stuck out to me was like he broke contact with this woman. He kind of fell off the face of the earth. He says he was in a fight or in a hole. Right. I was kind of, as a salesperson, what we do is we do follow-up, like of leads that are not good leads. Right. So I'm thinking like he, he found some other girl. That didn't work out. Now he's re-looking <laughs> her back up.
1: Right, and that is know, that's how I felt excuse. in my heart right away. Right, yeah, and that, that's the, the best excuse for I fell off is I was literally put into a hole. Yeah, <laughs> it's a
0: pretty pretty uh, good excuse, right? right. And with, with not me, I don't want to go into it right now. Right. That usually means it's a lie.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to discuss this. <laughs> so my, my question to you is, how do I start uh, mailing with a pen pal in, in prison?
0: Well, on my world-class research, there are over, worldwide, there's over 40 websites and resources to meet. Um, so used, I've got choices. In the olden days, in uh, what what used to happen, uh, you used to have to, they get relationships with prisoners were usually staff at the prison. Sometimes prison guards, but usually teachers or nurses or people who came in and they'd meet somebody. Kind of like we talked about, how can you be in love with someone you haven't even met? So they would get to meet them. Right. But now there's websites that, they, to me, they look like dating websites. They look like Match.com and eHarmony. It shows a picture of the person, and they're men or women, and you get to pick the race and the age, and when they're getting out, that's a new filter, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because if you want someone to have sex with next week, you know, for five years, you want to wait five years, so you, you know.
1: I want that for a normal dating website, like when are you available, (laughs) when are you going to be released?
0: And they have apps now on phones that help you call, there's all kinds of different contacts things, so. This to me, Joe, reminds me of like a long-distance relationship, and I've been in some, and in some ways, they're the best relationships. Right? Um, th- they're exciting. It's real lovey-dovey. It's very romantic. Um, you're not in that day-to-day grind that you have, grind that you have with your partner, about paying the bills and this and that. It's just all love. It's all fantasy.
1: Right. Plus, if you get into an argument, it's not like it's the argument that continues from the car to the bedroom to the living room. It's literally a letter ends, so your argument ends when you right. stop writing,
0: or you hang up the phone. Yeah, right. there's a pause button. Um, you're, I want you to go over something for me. It's called hybristophilia, and it, it and it's if a prison can really have true love.
1: Okay, so hybristophilia. What we're gonna we're gonna do is old like uh, we're in elementary school preparing for a book report. How this is how we're gonna do this. So we're gonna break down the word first. Hybristophilia. Philia comes from the Greek word meaning love for. So, like, um, eh, there's a lot of uh, uh, types of diagnoses for, for types of love. Philia is usually in that word. If you just think of like a, any type of you know uh, a diagnosis on on sexual um, uh, deviations. Hybristo comes from the Greek word meaning to commit an outrage against somebody. So you're in love with someone who has committed outrages. So prisoners, basically, or or people who have done wild things to society. Uh, Also known as Bonnie and Clyde syndrome, because as Americans, we associate pretty much any kind of attraction to prisoners and heinous behavior. We look at Bonnie and Clyde. Now, um, I went with Psychology Today for our source today, uh, just for this definition. Um, they talk about how hybridophilia is more common among females, which is, uh, bizarre for individual behaviors that are considered deviant, uh, sexually. Um, and it comes in different forms there. There's a passive and an aggressive version of hybridophilia. So if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, oh my God, I might have this. Like if, if you watch the show prison break, and you're, you're looking at these handsome male models who are doing the acting, and you're like, oh no, maybe I've got this. <laughs> you, you can take some solace in that uh, Hybristophilia is not the same across the board for everybody. Uh, so the, the passive Hybristophilia is the uh, Netflix watcher who is enjoying a bit too much these, these criminal, di- uh, these bios, basically. Mm-hmm. So passive is uh, people who have um, no desire to take part in the criminal activity uh, the, the murder or, or rape or the offenses that they've performed, even if it's minor crimes, it can be attraction towards somebody who has made, you know, something egregious, but not necessarily violent. Um, so these people will usually defend uh, a prisoner. So if, if they fall in love with somebody, uh, they will end up, you know, uh, it's, your friends will get tired of you because you're always like, well, let me tell you about how they're not guilty. Like you, you come up with arguments and you try to defend the person that you're in love with and you, you you look for ways that they're they're the victim but through my readings they actually start to believe it right
0: exactly they, they believe that they really didn't do it or that was they, they're not that person anymore yes they did this terrible thing but we all make mistakes
1: right yeah there's there's a lot of savior complex in in hyperstophilia especially this passive it, it seems to me. Um, And then we have uh, the aggressive Hybristophilia, which is really where we get into Bonnie and Clyde. Um, That's somebody who actively helps to commit crimes. Uh, That includes possibly luring victims, hiding bodies, covering the crimes itself, or committing violent acts or or crimes. Um, These people are attracted to the lover because of their violent actions. Uh, So in a uh, aggressive hyperstophilia, that means somebody who is attracted to and wants to participate in the crimes
0: so that's what you hear about this someone that says this person helped me bury a body like why would you do that why would you go drive to their house when you know that that's what's going on and get involved in any way why would that be a good idea they just can't help it
1: right in court when you're watching like true crime and somebody's like well the girlfriend lied for them to the cops or something that's like shocking. Like why, you know, right. Why would you try to cover that? Well, that's, that's aggressive hyperstophilia. That's they, they're into them because they have a criminal element to them. Um, and then of course we ask the question, uh, could anyone fall for a prisoner? Like, like, or, or not a prisoner, but a, 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 somebody who commits violent acts or crimes. So the idea that could anyone fall into hyperstophilia. Now this is just opinion based on our research. Um, but we kind of already uh, aggrandize aggressive behavior. I mean, like, if you watch movies with action stars, like, um, you, you've seen the movie Die Hard? Yes. So, we kind of look at people who are aggressive or, or um, who are able to do violence, and we all sort of look at that and, and we say, that's what attraction is. That, that could be a, uh, the start of hyperstophilia. Uh, seeing somebody who is uh, uh, aggressive and, and capable of murder uh, effectively is that yeah the,
0: the the ultimate bad boy exactly is that yeah. someone who's like not just some kid acting up in class but somebody who will protect me a provider protect no one's gonna mess with me if I have a a murderer on my team
1: right exactly it's it's you've picked the uh, the most badass dodgeball person in the history <laughs> of evolution yeah.
0: no, my boyfriend really will kill you. Right.
1: And, <laughs> he's done it before. Right. <laughs> he has, he's literally murdered before. That, yeah, that, that trumps uh, my boyfriend is a football player. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, there are websites that cater to prisoner dating, as, you, as you've stated. So this is a combination where um, you don't have to worry if you're attracted to prisoners on TV. Um, you have to worry if you start taking action. When your actions have consequences... That's when we start looking into maybe you're getting into hyperstophilia. And, of course, that leads me to asking what does it look like when hyperstophilia has consequences? Well, I have a story for you. There's an
0: Australian study. It's the Wilcox Bailey's book, Dream Lovers, Women Who Marry Men Behind Bars. Um, It tells a story, an awful story, about a pair of middle-aged religious Christian sisters. Avril and Rose, who walked out on their long-term marriages, they were calling them boring, to marry two men who were in prison. Avril's new love was in jail for a series of property offenses, but within, within a week of his release, he bludgeoned Avril to death with a hammer. Now Rose, she married a man who had killed his previous wife. She was saying she had no fear at all. He went back to jail after he got out, after he attacked Rose, tried to cut off her ear, and pull out her teeth with pliers.
1: So, that doesn't happen on eHarmony very often. Exactly. And that's. I mean... <laughs> I, people
0: say you think, oh, they're asking for it. It's like, can you even imagine? I don't like going to the dentist, having my teeth pulled out with pliers. Can you imagine?
1: Right. Jeez well, that sounds like something they do in like a, a Russian gulag or something. Yeah, that's consequences for you. Right. She's the but, one that, yeah. I absolutely, I, I don't want to make light of anyone suffering. No. Uh, but the, I mean, if we went for the the biggest example of consequences and dangers, I we probably couldn't have done better. I mean, that, that almost, it, it's... Life is stranger in fiction. Kind of moments.
0: Well, that's the thing too. I think this is th- these were women who were um, grounded. Were families. Were had, had kids. They walked away
1: from comforts to, to and you know, at the
0: same time, it had this dual effect.
1: Right. They were quite literally looking for the excitement we were talking about mm-hmm. that 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 rush, and wow, what a what a way for that to end up. And I hate to. Uh, it's a weird way to look at this but if you're the boring guy that somebody leaves and then that happens that's got to be like crushing on top of crushing uh, explain okay so imagine you work in like a, a desk job or something yeah. and your wife leaves you and, and she says that you're too boring and then she hooks up with a prisoner and then later, you're on. Uh, you find out that she's been bludgeoned with a hammer or, or attacked with pliers. That I don't know how you recover from that. Like that. That's that's insane. Yeah, it's yeah, it's terrible. The mother of your child, and yeah, right. So, I want to kind of ask another question. This this is all the podcast is, by the way, is like me quietly asking questions and then you shocking me with these <laughs> weird facts you found. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about um whether or not these guys are predators i mean like like we're we're gonna we're trying to move away from generalizations i think um because most of the stories i found online and i think most of the stories you found are about how hebristophilia turns bad that, that it, it it's you know people putting on an act specifically sociopaths in prison putting on an act so that they can sucker people into being pen pals and eventually, you know, um, lovers or potentially supporters of them. Um, so I was wondering, do you have some examples uh, of people like this? I've got a couple, and I, I think you've got a couple. Um, so what are we looking at? What 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 are, like, the high-profile cases of this? There is every, every single one. And I try. We always look for stuff
0: that not everyone's here heard. The note does. Right. And that's why I didn't put in any Ted Bundy stuff, but the guy had thousands of groupies Of course, after yeah. there was a line of women to marry him but some well known ones um, Richard Ramirez um, the night nice stalker he killed 13 people um, he got married in a waiting room uh, Scott Peterson which is there's been all these documentaries at
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, he, he was being proposed by 18 year old beautiful young women the day and he's a good looking guy and he got all this fame and a per, there is a percentage of these I want to put out there that are doing it for a book deal, or right. for their own documentary, for purely attention and financial gain. That's it. Right. But it's not a high percentage. It's a small percentage.
1: Who do you have? Okay. So the first off, I want to talk a little bit about the serial killers okay. because that's a that's a different brand of uh, Hybristophilia or it's a different brand of Pen Pal. Um, usually when we look at prison letters, the, the vast majority are not these high-profile cases. So you remember the the Boston Marathon bomber, the uh, Johar Sarnayev? The long-haired kid, yeah, I do. Right. So, not a serial killer, uh, still, quote-unquote, a bad boy, if we're looking at this from the scope of, you know, uh, attractiveness if you have hybristophilia. And, and that's somebody we sort of, like, become became an idol like you remember that rolling stone cover where he's like you know laid back he, he, he looks like a poster uh, you would have on your your college wall if you were a girl like if you are in like a, a russian
0: boy band <laughs> right exactly
1: so we're, we're gonna not i mean he had insane amounts of twitter followers and and the following he gained after that was was incredible um so so we're gonna look at that as an exception not not the rule to hybristophilia um, and same thing with the, the serial killers. It's a phenomenon that they, they get so much of a following. And I think you're right that some of them, uh, some of their followers, the, the women who are groupies for them, they're doing it for publicity. Um, but there's something else that, that I, I also want to mention is a lot of these serial killers, uh, they're not w- what we think of as like criminal masterminds. Like movies like Dexter and uh, Silence of the Lambs have convinced us that these serial killers are brilliant and that they're manipulating these women that they're, they're so good at you know uh, getting into the human mind that, oh. that they're these intelligent sociopaths um sounds of the lamb stuff yeah right exactly uh i don't think that's it no it's not <laughs> um they've done studies trying to pin down this like what, what makes serial killers so good at evading police what makes them so good at you know manipulating people and the average IQ of the serial killer, according to the FBI and Business Insider, is 94.5. And a lot of them fall under that average. So when you're looking at serial killers, they're, they're not the brilliant Hannibal geniuses. <laughs> they're dumb dummies. They they're can be dummies, but oftentimes it's because they're bold and that they have, you know, not that they have nothing to lose, but they act like it. And so a lot of their crimes go unsolved for a long time simply because they have the gall to do it and repeat it. So They don't overthink it. Right. So when, when they get these groupies, it's not because they're sliding into the minds of people and manipulating them. It's because they're being reached out to.
0: Well, I have another one, uh, Henry Lee Lucas, and he was known. He confessed to over 100 murders, but they, he, he had a very low IQ. But there was a woman on the outside that actually got involved, contacted the police, and tried to make him an, make an alibi for him after the fact, after he was already convicted. And so what she, her whole thing, and she went to a lot of trouble saying she was a certain person living in a different city. She did a lot of research wow, to try to get him out of prison because if he didn't do that, maybe he didn't do these other ones. There's going to be this domino effect. Right. The police were it was getting look, they, they were getting some traction on it and it was making sense to them and they were started to re-interview him and re, reopen the investigation. And then it turned out she'd been in similar
1: relationships
0: with other serial killers across <laughs> the country. Wow. So she's a prime example.
1: So, so she has this pattern of attraction so much that she has tried to get other serial killers out of jail. Yeah, and go with that much trouble. I mean, so there's a type you're saying that this isn't this isn't like <laughs> a mean. common uh, a kink that people have. It, it it really is like a a full on. Once you have this, it's it's part of your psyche. It's,
0: yeah, it's an obsession or it's a really unhealthy
1: hobby. Okay. Very unhealthy, dangerous. <laughs> so. Uh, a little bit of, uh, when you sent me this research, um, uh, we we started this podcast joking that, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, our research differs, our, our styles <laughs> differ.
0: Um, I'm a very low IQ person compared to John, <laughs> just for the record.
1: I've never taken an IQ test, so I, I can't confirm You're a pretty denied. smart cat,
0: man, I'll tell you. You're well read, I'll put it that well way. Well read,
1: yeah. Right. A lot of time on my hands. I think that actually might be more accurate. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to do is, um, a, a lot of your notes were high-profile cases, and so I went the opposite. With my stuff that I checked into, aside from the, the definition, I went low. I, I wanted to know what the reality of these cases are. So the third myth that we have, and the part that we're going to bust, is um, that there's no true love in prison. So uh, first I want to know, where do you land on this? Like, like if, if, if you read that letter... Does that sound like true love to you? <laughs>
0: no. It, it sounds like I'm just trying to get something. I'm trying to get something out of it. I'm, I'm manipulating. That's how, that how it came off to me.
1: Right. It. It. I'm glad you said it, because it, it did feel like that to me, and I, I didn't want to be the, the heartbreaker here. <laughs> but... Uh, I went looking for this. I want to find statistics on, on how many people actually like get married in prison, or, or how would you know if it was true love, how many of these are manipulations. Well,
0: I used to think the same thing about arranged marriages. It turns out that they have a lots of success in lots of cultures, way more success than we have in our own culture. So,
1: Yeah. Uh, when they do self-reporting on arranged marriages, they they always report higher amounts of uh, prosperity. And that's... that's Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's all I could really find for prison marriages, is it was self-reporting from couples who had, who had been married. And of, of, of course, their self-reporting is going to be skewed because they're reporting on something very subjective. So because of that, because everything we have today is uh, going to basically be anecdotal, that we don't have really solid numbers on all this, um, I just figured we'd go through the scenarios uh, when is it true love? When is it a scam? How can you spot each? How can you participate in each? I mean, not that you'd want to participate in a scam. Um, so we're, we're going to go anecdote to anecdote, and we're going to talk about, you know, what you can get into. Uh, so first off, uh, is this the love oh, that I'm feeling? Um, true love in prison letters can be an absolute scam. Uh, if you go to Google and you start looking for uh, prison scams that happen from in prison, it, it is it, your, your internet will explode. There's so many scams going on from in American prisons. Uh, one that I want to talk about is one that actually happened to me. Like I experienced this and I didn't know it was a prison scam. So there's a, a scam going around and has been for the last couple of years it's a scam that I experienced. Um, my aunt got called up uh, just out of the blue, uh, and this this has been happening around Oregon, where they call and they tell you that uh, you owe money, or, or um, that that you've uh, done something wrong with your taxes, or you haven't appeared in prison after or um, court after being called for uh, jury duty. And they, they try to fine you like they, they tell you that, you know, um, that a sheriff or cop will come by to pick you up and you, you have to serve, you know, a day in jail or something. They'll give you some unspecified number. They've, they've got it down. So it sounds pretty legit. Right. It, it sounds like something that might actually, you know, be, be a, a violation of some sort. Uh, and the only thing you have to do to avoid going to jail temporarily is you pay money to, you know, the, the local system. They, they tell you a, a usually it's like a court or a police station and they tell you just go pay money into this ATM or, or, or pull a, a prepaid card and go to this ATM and usually it's it's attached to something that's official okay. like it, it's government not the a- building of some part. <laughs> right right it's so an ATM good. outside of a government building or on the same block as a police station and okay, so it feels man. almost legit um, <laughs> that's pretty clever. Yeah. No, it's, it's smart. And uh, my reaction was not smart. I, I, I told them, you know, call the chef, bring him here. So I, I did not react well. And the guy on the other line was, you know, they, they sounded like a telemarketer, like they had they had canned answers, which was very smart. So they do this out of jail. They do this with their, with their phones and just figure that out. Was, absolutely. That was the shocking part to me. Um, I, I went and I, I Googled for this when I was looking for prison scams, and I, I, I clutched my, my pearls when I saw that this happened. Uh, uh, this scam specifically was a prison scam, so I got prison scammed. Um, but they, they had uh, uh, phones that they had trafficked into prison, prepaid cell phones, and they were running these out of prison, and they were making, um, the, the, the Oregon guy, it said he made like a million dollars doing this. Oh, wow. So this is a lucrative. Lucrative, Yeah. And I do realize that this scam that I'm talking about is not a love letter, uh, but that's to say that uh, there are lots and lots of scams coming out of prisons, some of them so complex that they make national news and that they make a ton of money and it involves you know, phones and things like that.
0: Well, well I have one that um, – have you ever read the book by John Grisham, The Brethren? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, what, what the, the book is about is it's a group of men who are in prison, and what they do is they... It's the judges that go to prison, right? They're, that's right. they are five judges, and, and, and they're all smart, educated guys, and they, they, need, they want to make some money. So what they do is they take pictures of the, of the most handsome, well-built prison men, young men, mm-hmm. and then they reach out to men as pen pals who are in re- regular heterosexual marriages, who are well-established. They're bankers or CEOs, and they get them to say inappropriate things of a homosexual manner, and then they extort and blackmail. Oh, wow. It's a great book. It's very entertaining. Now, being that, I'm a, a geek in, about documentaries. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, thinking this was all fiction, right? It's a good story, these judges. Joe, it wasn't fiction. You know, all, all good fiction is based on a true story. There's a true story of oh. of guys who were in, in uh, prison in the South who were doing that. And and again, making hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, extortion wow. money.
1: Yeah. So that was the seed of the fiction.
0: Yeah, it was almost verbatim. Almost. It was pretty darn close. I mean, there's some some things that are different, but right. you know where he got it. Right, right. <laughs> there's no way he, he thought of that and that just happened to happen. Right,
1: it wasn't a, a fabrication. It, it, yeah, he got it from somewhere. Yeah. Well, that that's the one I'm finding the most uh, of, as far as prison letters go, is the love scams. Um, they usually don't end in blackmail. What they end with is the prisoner asking for um, cash for part of their processing. So they they'll say that it's for appeals or for um, they're they're paying off a lawyer. Um, okay, here's one. 67 uh, year old from Orange County, a widow spent three thousand dollars. And sold her um, basically her home to bankroll a prisoner, who say you need to pay off uh, legal fees, uh, and, and of course this ended up coming out to be like thirty thousand dollars in total. Like she she got blackmailed, uh, and, and then this you know like there, there was a huge tied up scandal, and and they tried to hit her with fines and things. But basically, what it comes down to, uh, the the majority of these scams, when you get a prison letter, it talks about love, like you know, you, you you're falling in love with somebody. Um, if it's a scam, they end up asking for money for processing and court fees and attorney fees and things like that. Um, that was, by and large, the, the biggest, most prevalent scam. It's not, these, it's not these group cell phone scams that I'm seeing. A lot of the research has led me to you know, uh, one anecdote after another of somebody paying somebody's fees. Um, there's another one uh, in October 4th of 2005. Uh, a woman named Karen Ann Erdly. Um, she was a, a state prisoner sentenced to uh, a maximum term of five years in a federal prison uh, to, uh, ironically, a conspiracy to commit mail fraud. Um, and then while she was in there... People don't change. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the prison did not immediately reform her of mail fraud uh, because while she was in there... She uh, got a group of women, a dozen female prisoners, uh, and they started basically a letter-writing campaign to men. And they got 224 men, uh, and they scammed them of over $220,000. So, um, Early herself personally defrauded uh, her victims of $100,000, which she was ordered to repay. Um, so, it's not just men. I, I want to point that out. This, this is my best anecdote for Uh, not only do men scam people from prison with with love letters it it can happen from women's prisons too
0: I wanted to digress on what you were talking about before um, kind of just to bring that point up again is they'll say a lot of times it's I'm in here I'm innocent so you think you're helping this person they say they're innocent I need this for my for another attorney I need to get this and we think okay we're going to help a you know and there's a lot of sympathy for people you know with DNA things coming up and people being wrongfully committed um convicted right?
1: right yeah there, there's a lot of ground to stand on when when you are messaging somebody from prison there's a lot of uh, I'm innocent or, or uh, there's a complication in my case. Uh, a, a lot of people um, find pen pals online or find um, lovers online and they find out later that uh, because of the way uh, court records work, they could be talking to somebody who they thought did a much less serious crime. And the only one that the prisoners admitted to is is you know something that was uh, tangentially related to a, a much worse crime. Well, can you touch on this? I
0: read through some of your notes and you were talking about um, that There's writing is a real human connection, that it's like volunteer work. Can, can you kind of explain that to me?
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, the, the flip side of this. See, if somebody listens to this podcast, uh, so far all they will get is... It can be a scam. It can be frightening. It can lead to a prisoner coming after you. And if you're <laughs> into this, then you might be mentally unwell. Uh, the flip side, and the one I would absolutely encourage everyone to go look into, you
0: have a disease that no one else has. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you have something wrong with your brain. Uh, but that's that's not always the case. Is you're not always going to be conned by one of these um, chameleons who can who can letter write to anybody and 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 get their letters workshopped by their their group. Um, a lot of people in prison, uh, they don't get letters at all. So you have these scammers sending letters out. You also have the opposite where you've got these overcrowded prisons and you've got prisoners who uh, don't communicate with the outside world at all during their, their sentence. Um, whether it's because they were in a lonely place before they went in or because their, their families have stopped talking to them since they went in. Um, you get these situations where prisoners are, are basically desperate for human connection, and they don't get it because they're not sending out letters. Like they're, they're not scamming anyone, they're not looking for people. They just need, They just need some,
0: some, some love, some attention.
1: Right, exactly. And to feel continuously connected with humanity. And that's where uh, you, volunteer work, uh, specifically letter writing as a volunteer work, can be very, very useful. Um, one place I would try to point people to is there's a, a guardian, uh, article about, uh, I think it's a writing for human connection can be very rewarding. Um, I don't think that's the actual title, but that's the headline. Uh, so if you Google that, it'll come up, but it's, um, writing for prison letters. Uh, you, you find so many heartwarming stories and you, you hear about people who have been doing it for years and they talk about the prisoners they've communicated with and how they pull for these guys. Like like they'll. It, love is not involved. They're not doing this because they're looking for a partner. They're just doing it because they want to connect with somebody on a human level. And they want someone to root for. Well. And, and on topic too. You
0: being a member of Toastmasters. You visited the state prison. Right? You I told did. Me about I, it. I visited what was that experience
1: like? Coffee you? Creek. Um, it, it, it can be rewarding. And heartbreaking. And, and very interesting. And. Um, the, the people I talked to there, uh, the, the, it, was a, it was a women's prison, and I was there uh, in official capacity to, to help them set up or continue their, uh, their club. They, they did not need me, by the way. I, I want to start by saying um, they were so good at setting everything up and communicating and running their own show. We were just there basically to, to give them a thumbs up and say, you're doing everything right.
0: But what they're doing is a communication public speaking class to get better, to be, become better communicators, to be more hireable when they get out.
1: Right? Yes, absolutely. So it's and
0: p- plus positive, positive stuff.
1: Absolutely positive. And everything they said revolved around the idea that communicating and keeping in contact with the outside means that they have something to care for, like they, they, they continue. It's really easy for them to get, um, uh, they call it being in barrier or in walls, or they start building up this idea that, uh, they're not connected to humanity anymore, that the outside world really doesn't care. And it's easy to fall into that trap if you're in prison.
0: And we don't want people to think that because I know people, I personally know multiple people who have gone to prison for murder, manslaughter, whatever, involved in something, get out. And now I would trust them with with my own life. They're right. just good, solid people. They just, they made a mistake.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And they made a big mistake, but that, that wasn't all they are. We wouldn't all want to be judged on our worst day, Right.
1: Right, and these people aren't like, like bombs. We don't want to cut them like a wire and just set them aside. We, we want them to feel connected while they're they're doing their time because they, we want them to come back to society at some point. And if they don't feel like and not they not be can, so angry and so right. temped
0: up that they're going to pull our teeth out with pliers.
1: Right, exactly. We want them to come back and say, hey, I got your letter, thanks. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I changed the names in this letter that I read, by the way, so I wouldn't get my ass kicked. Oh, okay. <laughs> he knows uh, where I live.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I don't have to avoid your house then. I, I was, was going to stay away until this yeah, guy, exactly. uh, yeah, until we yeah. saw the news.
0: Okay, now we're on to the bonus section, how to try to craft a prison letter. Now, share with me what you showed me before when you are doing research on this, about how the the, the YouTube thing. Okay. <laughs> that's cracked me up. I I can't believe you found this.
1: I, I was really looking for uh, uh, how to craft a letter as if you are a prisoner. And there weren't any. There weren't any. <laughs> Which is
0: crazy because there's what? There's there's information about everything. Right. right?
1: <laughs> Lots of prisoners have like webcam shows talking about how they got bulky, like how, how they got built in prison. <laughs> Lots of those. Um, I did find. It's um, this
0: underground something. Right, which makes (laughs) our show more interesting because we're the only one covering
1: it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Um, There there were a lot of um, videos about wives who talked about how to send letters to prison, and a couple of those had information on uh, what they looked for in prison letters. They there was like a couple of people complaining about how their men always sent back uh, letters that were complaints about their the commissary and complaints about other prisoners and complaints about doing time. So very very sort of like cold mundane day to day almost like what you'd have in, in the outside world where it's like work sucked you know I didn't have a good day boss doesn't like me that except in bars so okay <laughs> so we, we want to look at uh, I want I want So they're sharing their
0: day they're doing the feedback like you would in a regular relationship
1: right but which... what we really want is is like the letter you read where it's like it, it has interesting points it talks about the relationship it, it, it talks about connection. Well, and and
0: this is like a team writing thing. I look at it like you you have a really um, successful writer who has a group of writers who write his own stuff. James Patterson has a ghost writers that work for him. Okay. And so they all sit down together and they have a lot of time on their hands and this is lucrative and it involves attention from women and gifts. So they get benefits of it financially, emotionally, and then they get some attention, you know, for sexual interest. Right. So they spend a lot of time on this. And certain people get better at dirt- doing certain things. So let's say David is really good at penmanship. Mm-hmm. And then Roger's older, so he has more life experience, a little bit more romantic. And then they keep writing these letters. Well, if you, do th- if you write letters all day, every day, what do you get? You get better at it, right?
1: Right. <laughs> and right. then you
0: start noticing what works. You notice that, oh, when I said this this kind of lovey-dovey stuff, I got a better reaction. So these these. They start with rough drafts. These guys start as uh, real amateurs, and then they become professional letter writers, which is we know is a lost art.
1: Right. I, I noticed in that letter, uh, there were very, very few mistakes. Like it was, it was handwritten, but it looked like it was printed in somebody's handwriting. Like it, it looked insane. Yeah, it's like
0: you wouldn't have time to do this. You'd have to really sit down and take an hour or so to just do the writing part, not not the writing part, just the penmanship part.
1: Right. So, so that's 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 our first takeaway. From what I'm, what I think I'm hearing from you is, uh, take your time, workshop your ideas. So, like, bounce these ideas off, you know, people you know.
0: Sink the counsel of other men, like we do when we do any kind of a, write a speech or, or you write one of your stories. Right. You, you resonate. You work on it. You rehone it. You get it better.
1: <laughs> right. I have like half a dozen people that I send it out to, and they they come back and they say. This doesn't work or this character doesn't work or that, except a love letter, basically.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's shocking.
1: Okay. And then and then we also want to, um, you said like, you're thinking like a couple of hours. How many hours do I need to put into a love letter?
0: Well, being a professional writer, you are. To, they're not just writing the love letters. They're trying to, to kind of hook these people into relationships. Right. To get, and again, I'm not, we're going, right now I'm talking about the negative side. And we already said that that's not everyone's them. But the ones that do come off is that I want to fall in love a little too fast. Okay. You know, a little too, like this one, reaching out to somebody who I haven't heard from you in a year. Now all of a sudden you want to see me. That's kind of weird, right?
1: Right. So you you don't want to say, sorry, I didn't talk to you for a year. You want to to build interest, basically. You do.
0: And you want to make a connection with them. As a salesperson, we take, how do we get people to like us? We take genuine genuine interest in them. So a lot of these letters are going to be crafted with, oh, wow, you're such an amazing mom, and you do so much. and You don't know how much this is doing for me and how hard my life is here. They'll do the sympathy card because you want to feel like you're helping somebody. That fulfills the person on the outside, but it also draws the relationship in. Right. I I think when someone's writing you a letter, I mean— when I write someone an email, I think that's doing something for them. But to, for me to sit down and write a letter to somebody, I don't know. I'd have to have some kind of interest
1: right, or yeah. some kind
0: of need I'm trying to fill.
1: Yeah, you're already invested if you're putting pen and ink to a paper. <laughs> right. like it's 1980 and 88, you know? Right. Uh, Dearest Eleanor. <laughs> that's how my prison letters are going to start. And if you want, you can pretend you're behind bars while you're writing this. It might improve things.
0: I keep I can't help but thinking if they work this hard in just a regular job, you know, right. they if, make hundred grand a year, easy. Right. <laughs> yeah, apply the re-honed same any skill. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh.
1: Okay, so now most episodes, uh, Todd takes us out by um, just talking about what we learned today. Uh, Because we went in uh, almost like a reverse episode where he did the research and I got to kick back and just just think about the lessons of the day.
0: He did a great job on the research.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what I've learned from this is, first off, if we have hybristophilia, then... We want to seek professional help, yes?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, and there's probably a special, there's probably, it's, it's a very, you know, $1,000 an hour psychologist in Boston. Or it's a, They're not going to be everywhere. They're going to be experts on this. It's not like addiction, okay? Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I don't know that. <laughs>
1: so attraction to prisoners, uh, not something you have to worry about unless you put it into action like Avril and Rose. Then we have to be careful. Wanting and needing somebody is not mental weakness. If you're looking for an inmate uh, and that's where you're getting your need filled, also fine. That, that's not mentally ill. That's seeking a human who may be unavailable in that moment. So maybe take a look at why you're doing that and if you fall into the category of fibristophilia. Um, these letters that you receive, whether it's a scam or not, uh, whether it's a group scam or an individual sending you letters consider um what is the benefit they're asking for if you're looking at a letter and you're thinking am i getting scammed always ask am i paying for something uh, are they are they asking me to pay for something um because on the flip side of that you may just be the last human connection somebody has so be wary of scams but also if you are that human connection then you're a hero. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: And if you're being honest with yourself, you'll know the truth. Sincerity shows. True sincerity shows, and lack of sincerity always shows.
1: Right. I think eventually we're going to have to change our name to the Self Awareness Podcast because that's really the lesson that almost every podcast ends with. That. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're recognizing what you're doing and you are being honest with yourself, then you'll know whether or not this is a problem behavior or an irrational attraction, or if you are generating real human connection. And if you need to uh, maybe take some of these techniques, uh, these these letter-writing techniques, and put them into your, your own life, that just means taking the time to sit and recognize a partner or somebody you want to communicate with. And as we've talked about in other podcasts, apply the golden ratio where you can. Um, that's, uh, the golden ratio we discussed in dysfunctional relationships, that's a five to one ratio where for every one negative thing you say to a partner, you want to couple that with five positives. Uh, and if you read through these prison letters, uh, there's a lot of positives in there. It's, it's a lot of reaching out and communicating and being positive with somebody else. That is the lesson I'm going to take away. Uh, so I, if I could do the honor, please. You've been listening to The Reengineered You with Joe Anthony and Todd Laments. And you you, you got to do the, the, uh, the, our tagline, please. We don't know everything, but we do have an opinion on everything. That's darn right. And you can find us on com, and you can look us up on the platforms, leave a review for us. Yes, uh, the
0: best thing you can do for us, if you like this show, and you know someone who loves science and loves self-help, refer us. Let, let, us listen, let, let them listen
1: or write us an old-fashioned letter and we will get back to you within six months. Yeah,
0: we might send you some money or some, some naked pictures of ourselves. Right. Right. <laughs>